Hi, I'm Steve Clemens, and I have a question. Now that Trump's presidency has ended, will he still be able to pull strings in American politics through the Republican Party? Let's get to the bottom line. Well, if any world leader in history knows how to leave office with a bang, it's definitely Donald J. Trump. Twice impeached, banned from most social media, and having inspired thousands to storm the U.S. Congress to supposedly stop the steal of November's election, he succeeded by dividing his people along political, religious, economic, and geographic lines. And now the business of healing and uniting the nation, if it can be healed and united, and even if it wants to be, falls on the new president, Joe Biden. But there's no denying that Trump's conspiracy theory rhetoric is still out there, still captivating the imagination of untold millions in America from all walks of life and in Congress itself. So what's next for American politics, and especially the Republican Party, that Donald Trump leaves behind? My guest today is a prominent Republican legal expert who's been talking about the dangers that Trump poses to the country since he announced his candidacy in 2015. John Bellinger was a legal advisor to the White House and the State Department during the George W. Bush administration, and he's now a lawyer in private practice in Washington, D.C. John, so great to be with you. Listen, you have been uh, worried about violence from the tr Trump crowd for a long time. You saw it coming really before anyone else did. You organized a group of serious Republican national security people against Donald Trump's candidacy when he ran. But you, after he came in, you began blowing the whistle. And even recently, uh, you wrote in the Lawfare blog um, that Donald, Donald Trump is still uh, a threat to our national security. What is it about Trump that has worried you all of this time and, and, and that allowed you to be prescient about the violence we're seeing explode today? Steve, uh, well, first, it's great to be with you. Um, I guess what I've really seen in Trump, even back when he was a candidate, and certainly we have seen this throughout his presidency, is just how much he divides Americans. Uh, you know, we all know this now. He delights. His, his modus operandi is to stick his finger in the most divisive of issues, whether it's religion, geography, politics, he, you know, we, of course, people have had differences in this country for a long time, but Donald Trump is just delighted in trying to divide people uh, and pit one against another American. So, you know, it's, it, it came as no surprise to me uh, a couple of years ago, even, uh, that if he were driven from office, either by election or through some other means, uh, that he was not going to go gently into the good night, uh, that he was going to call on his supporters to come and save him. Uh, and frankly, uh, you know, given how well armed many people are in this country, it certainly uh, uh, occurred to me a number of years ago that he could call on people to come into Washington, try to save him, and that there would be violence here in Washington uh, and indeed around the United States. John, a lot of people who are watching this show wonder about these Republicans that go on TV and, you know, poke Trump and say he's not one of us. And I sometimes wonder uh, that they think that these Republicans are not as Republican as, as you know, a Donald Trump. But I want to explain to the public, you know, you were an advisor to George W. Bush. You were an advisor to Condoleezza Rice. You are about as Republican as a Republican can get. Am I right? Well, I guess I would say maybe in the old days, yes. Uh, I historically had worked for 
uh, a series of moderate Republicans who I think very highly of, and in fact, who then ultimately joined the most recent letter uh, that I organized uh, along with Ken Weinstein back in 2020. People like John Warner of Virginia, uh, Bill Webster, the former uh, director of central intelligence and the FBI. Uh, but sadly, you know, those Republicans uh, now seem to be long gone. Uh, and uh, uh, so it's hard for me, frankly, to count myself certainly not a Trump Republican. And if the Republican Party is, in fact, as he is fond of saying and others are fond of saying, is the party of Donald Trump, I don't want to have any part of that. Uh, indeed, when we put together uh, the most recent letter in August of 2020, of uh, ultimately what grew to more than 150 former Republican national security officials, we probably spent more time debating about what we wanted to call ourselves than what we wanted to say about Donald Trump and the fact that we were going to vote for Joe Biden. Uh, you know, normally, our first line would have been to say, you know, we're committed Republicans, but people felt we couldn't even say that anymore because the Republican Party has strayed so far. You know, the, the Republican Party, we're fond of saying, used to be the party of Lincoln, the people who stood up uh, uh, against slavery uh, and for uh, the unity of the country. And uh, boy, have we strayed a long way since that time. When January 6th came along and you saw an assault on the Capitol and we're hearing you know, uh, uh, evidence now and, and assertions now from the Capitol Police and FBI um, that these were just not hooligans, that these were wannabe assassins, uh, assassins who wanted to assassinate Mike Pence, Nancy Pelosi, and other members of Congress. Um, how did that make you and others like you who were Republicans feel? Well, I was just distraught, Steve, like, like many other people. To, uh, again, I, I thought I saw this coming. It came as no surprise to me uh, that Trump was going to call on his supporters to come and rescue him. Uh, and we have seen uh, a, a nastiness uh, and a tendency towards violence uh, around the country. So it came as no surprise that people would engage in violent activity. I guess it hadn't occurred to me that they would actually storm the Capitol uh, and be uh, invading the offices of members of Congress. That was, uh, that was really uh, beyond what uh, I could believe. I expected there was more going to be violence in the streets than a, a storming of the Capitol, uh, but uh, obviously very, very disheartening. You know, your piece in Lawfare Blog, warning about the dangers of Trump still, came out 10 days before the end of his presidency. You know, we're now about, we're, we're right at the end of his presidency. Does Trump still pose a danger even after having been shoved out of the presidency? Well, when I wrote it 10 days ago, I really thought that he did. I wrote that a couple of days uh, after the violence uh, at the Capitol and realized that he had 10 more days left into office uh, and he had put in uh, a number of his uh, uh, supporters in uh, different government organizations. He had fired the uh, the Secretary of Defense, fired other people. So I was still concerned about actions uh, that he might take because he really, the unhinged, uh, has not been acting even in the final days, really, as a president. He's been uh, uh, in his bunker, uh, nursing grievances. Uh, and so it did concern me that he could take some 
action at that point. Um, today, uh, 48 hours before the inauguration, uh, I still worry about things that he might do, pardons uh, that he might issue to himself, his family, possibly even to the people who uh, raided the Capitol. Uh, but I have a bit more confidence, Steve, over the last 10 days uh, that adults in the different national security departments and agencies uh, at the Defense Department in particular, but at the Justice Department uh, and, and elsewhere, uh, and even some inside the White House, the remaining few, uh, will just push back on uh, any really unlawful uh, actions that he tries to take. Uh, so I, uh, I worry a little less uh, in these last 48 hours. If he lashes out and, and makes some uh, just outrageous order, uh, I think people will just simply not want to be part of that, if, if only for self-preservation. So do you worry a lot less after he's gone that Donald Trump out of the White House, despite, you know, tens of millions of followers, you know, and a whole string of, you know, white nationalist groups and QAnon conspirators that still uh, see him as one of, um, you know, their heroes. Do, do we have to worry about, you know, Donald Trump and his post-presidency? Well, I think we do. Unfortunately, this goes back to you know, the first thing you asked me, Steve, about what's worried me about Donald Trump. And, and, and he's going to continue to be a, a divider rather than a uniter. Uh, you know, six days after 9-11, uh, George Bush, for whom I worked, uh, went down to a mosque in Washington, D.C., took off his shoes. You can look at the pictures of him standing there in his socks uh, and gave a speech in which he said, Islam is peace. And this was, you know, this was you know, the, 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 the World Trade Center and the Pentagon were still smoldering, uh, you know, nearly 3,000 people dead. And that was George Bush you know, trying to unite people uh, even when we really didn't know all the facts because he knew that it was important to call for calm. You know, uh, Donald Trump uh, in his post-presidency is going to continue to be the incendiary uh, individual that he's always been, trying to uh, undercut uh, Joe Biden's message of unity uh, and uh, togetherness at every step. Uh, so... I, I would like to see him marginalized. Uh, I, I, uh, I think it's unfortunate that the Senate would have to move forward uh, with an impeachment trial uh, at the same time that it's important for them to confirm uh, new Biden administration national security officials. And, and that really has to be their first priority. Uh, but I think that, sadly, they should move forward with the uh, trial of Donald Trump to ensure uh, as best as possible uh, that he is no longer a political force, because it's obvious that he is not going to act like George Bush or every other president in his post-presidency uh, and to be statesmanlike uh, and stay out of politics. He, he plans to do the reverse. John, you know, uh, you're one of the, the, the best um, legal minds I know when it comes to national security and the institutions of our government and, and how to set up various new institutions in times of war, in times of conflict, how to deal with, you know, detainees, how to deal with national security decision making. And I think one of the questions that's going to haunt us for a very long time is, did our institutions really hold or did we just get lucky? Did 
we come very close to seeing, you know, an autocratic takeover and suspension of democracy as we know it and have known it. Uh, and 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 because those answers, that's a fork in the road, lead you in very different directions. And so I, my question is, one, did institutions hold and do you still have confidence in the system? Or do we need to wake up and say, guess what? We became very, uh, 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 we came very close to seeing this come undone. And we now have to go back and look at what we do to prevent this kind of suspension of democratic practice, if you will. So where are you on that? I think we came very close to the center not ho not holding, Steve. Uh, we had uh, uh, a few individuals who were willing to stand up to Donald Trump, uh, uh, but you know, our Congress, which was obviously supposed to be a check and balance uh, uh, on the executive branch generally, and certainly on a uh, uh, a deranged president, uh, as we all know, Republicans in the Congress did absolutely nothing. They they enabled his behavior. Uh, they looked the other way. They said uh, they didn't see it, uh, and that was that was really one of the most disheartening things I think to. You know, former Republican national security officials. Uh, and that was one of the reasons that we put together the, the second letter to say that we were all going to vote for Joe Biden uh, was because the members of Congress were just not pushing back. It's really hard to imagine what a second term of Donald Trump would have been like. Uh, the judiciary did hold. Uh, uh, the judiciary really has been the gold standard. Uh, but I had hoped that earlier in the Trump presidency that there would have been opportunities for the uh, judiciary to have pushed back. There just were not that many cases early on uh, where the judiciary drew a, lawn, a line in the sand. Uh, and of course, they did uphold a number of his actions. Uh, and when they didn't, uh, as we all know, uh, Donald Trump attacked judges personally uh, and in very bitter terms to the point that the Chief Justice of the United States had to issue a statement a couple of years ago saying, you know, we don't have Republican judges and Democratic judges. We have Article Three judges. Uh, so uh, I do think we came incredibly close to disaster, and I do think some changes need to be made. You've probably seen the uh, useful short uh, 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 book of, of recommendations put out by uh, my former colleague, Jack Goldsmith at Harvard, uh, and Bob Bauer, who used to be uh, the counsel to President Obama, uh, coming together saying, in light of what happened, uh, here are a number of recommendations for change to make sure uh, that uh, these kinds of excesses by the presidency don't happen again. One of the revered people in Republican circles is Senator Jack Danforth. You know, you know the senator. I know the senator. He was um, ambassador to the United Nations as well uh, during the George W. Bush administration and a minister. And he said that mentoring Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri was one of the one of the biggest mistakes, the biggest mistake of his political life. Um, what do you think should be done with Senator Hawley, Senator Ted Cruz, these people that? Uh, uh, fed the flames of doubt in this election? Well, you know, of course, one of the, the really most disheartening things, in, in addition to seeing Senator Hawley uh, 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 go out and insist that he continued to want uh, a, a vote on decertification, uh, 
uh, was to see him go out and raise his fist in solidarity uh, with those who had attacked the Capitol. Now, maybe at the time he did that, he did not realize the violence that was going on. Uh, I would like to see him uh, apologize for that action. Um, but uh, it's, it's unfortunate that uh, a number of senators uh, have continued uh, to support uh, the, the false narrative that Donald Trump and others have, have, have uh, said. So it, it was good to see Senator Danforth, who really was a, a great man uh, uh, and a great ambassador to the United Nations, someone who George Bush really uh, looked to as a moral compass, uh, come out and and uh, and and disagree with Senator Hawley. One of the other things that intrigues me is you and I have been talking for years about how to neutralize terrorism. And we used to talk you know, during the times after the 9-11 attacks, you and I did, about conspiracy theories rampant in the Middle East. And almost in a way, I would say, to a certain degree, I was arrogant about it because you didn't see those kinds of conspiracy theories in America. So, so what could you do to neutralize them? Now, when you fast forward today and you look at um, radicalized groups in the United States, when you, you know, worry about uh, you know, people, insiders inside the U.S. military and National Guard, uh, being radicalized and part of the QAnon conspiracy. It sounds like a lot of the techniques that ISIS has used for recruitment, somebody's using inside this country and nation. Do you, you know, am I off track on that? Do you have some of the same concerns? I do. I, I, you know, I've learned an awful lot about the country in the last four years. Again, back to this point about uh, oh, Donald Trump uh, trying to divide the country rather than unite the country. Um, I guess I would have thought four or five years ago that there was maybe 5% of the people in the country who believed these crazy conspiracy theories about, uh, you know, uh, uh, Obama not being an American or uh, the federal government really being the enemy. Uh, I, you know, I just really thought that was fringe. Um, and, and honestly, maybe it was fringe. Uh, you know, maybe we we'll go back and look at the polls and say that really we're only five percent five years ago, and that's that's unfortunately what really has happened with the president uh, feeding these conspiracy theories. You know, his favorite expression of uh, well, you know, people are saying, uh, and you know, Fox News and others then uh, echoing them. Um, I mean, this is one thing where you, you really got to hand it to Donald Trump is the you know he's learned that through just repetition, repetition, repetition. You know, it really sinks into the American psyche. Uh, and now we have uh, 30, 30, 30 to 40 percent of the people in the United States to think that the election uh, was stolen. Um, you know, one of the things, frankly, that worries me the most, Steve, uh, and that I think is going to be very, very important for Joe Biden uh, uh, is to uh, restore trust in the federal government uh, uh, to unite people so that they believe that the federal government is, in fact, a, a force for good. Uh, it's very disheartening for me uh, as someone who spent time in a number of different government agencies, the State Department, the White House, the intelligence agencies, the Justice Department, to see all of these different departments and agencies attacked by uh, Donald Trump, by, uh, by Trump calling the State Department the deep State Department and calling the Department of Justice the Department of, quote, justice, with air quotes. Uh, you know, this is really damaging, and it's it's going to sink in. Uh, 
Uh, and Joe Biden is really going to need to work hard over the next four years uh, to try to undo that damage and to combat these conspiracy theories. As that is going on, as Joe Biden is trying to restore trust in government, what role is there for folks like you who right now have been supportive of Biden given the choice, but yet you don't really share all of Joe Biden's views? I mean, are you going to get back into the game and try and reclaim, re-hijack that Republican Party, turn it into a different, uh, uh, turn it to a different course? What is going to happen with those of you? Because you're one of the few, and I remember, you stood up early and loudly and uh, bravely to challenge this, but a lot of your colleagues did not. They've been waiting to see how this comes out. Now Ben Sass, Senator Ben Sass, you know, he's all over Ben, you know, he has a, a, a you know, article out saying, we've got to separate the Republican Party from the QAnon conspirators, et cetera, et cetera. Where do you go from here in terms of trying to save and redirect the Republican Party? Well, Steve, at this point, I think I and, and most of the people, the national security officials who signed the letter last summer saying that we would support Joe Biden, uh, consider ourselves to be independents. You know, we're certainly people who served in former Republican administrations and, and, and proud of it to have done service for the country. Uh, but, you know, uh, uh, as I said earlier, uh, a number of the people before signing up to these letters said, I, you know, I, I want to be clear, you know, I don't consider myself to be a Republican anymore. So, you know, it, it just shows how far the party has strayed. You know, candidly, for me personally, Steve, I, I don't really see light at the end of the tunnel right now. So I don't see anybody who I uh, see as a good leader uh, for the Republican Party you know, certainly Mitt Romney has been saying absolutely the right things very, very bravely, uh, but I don't see him wanting to lead a new Republican Party. Um, and I don't see any other people out there who, who want to reclaim uh, the Republican Party the way it used to be, uh, a party of, of, of principle, uh, a party committed to rule of law, a party committed to uniting the country. Uh, so, um, you know, at this point, I'm going to uh, uh, go all in for Joe Biden and hope that he can succeed. Uh, I really do. Uh, I think it's that important for the country. I mean, sure, and we've discussed this, uh, former Republican national security officials. I'm sure we're not going to agree on every national security policy, uh, but uh, yeah, we, we want him to succeed. Uh, we really do. We need to see him uh, re-engage with the rest of the world. Uh, unite us with our allies, uh, uh, reburnish our our very tarnished image around the world, including our commitment to uh, to human rights. Uh, so, you know, I think, frankly, rather than uh, nitpick and criticize uh, Biden and his people, uh, I mean, of course, we'll have to see what decisions they make. But I think the you know the things that Joe Biden has been saying for the last couple of months since he was elected really have been pitch perfect. Uh, I mean, more so candidly than, than Barack Obama. Uh, and maybe that's because uh, you know, Biden has been a consensus builder his whole life. He's been someone who really has wanted to reach out to the other side. So to have him keep saying, you know, I'm gonna be the president of all Americans, uh, I, I think really has been exactly the right message. But as far as you know, future of the Republican Party, Steve, uh, you know, we'll have to see whether 
uh, it's going to be like the the phoenix rising from the ashes. Uh, but uh, at this point, I don't see that the the egg in the fire has cracked, and that that some you know beautiful new bird is going to come out. Uh, that's going to be the future of the Republican Party. You know, there's still going to be an awful lot of fighting. Uh, you know, look at Liz Cheney, who who's now fighting to even hold on to her seat after she very bravely stood up to. Uh, the rest of the Republicans and said uh, uh, that Trump ought to be impeached. Well, John Bellinger, legal counsel to presidents, uh, secretaries of state, and, and a real architect of many of the legal frameworks we think about in national security. Really appreciate your candor and your time today. Thanks for joining us. Steve, it's great to be with you. So what's the bottom line? Donald Trump may be gone for the moment, but he has inspired and activated a countless number of pugnacious and angry mini-Trumps. Some U.S. House of Representative members from Colorado to Georgia, themselves fanners of the QAnon conspiracy flames, are following Donald Trump's recipe of fact-free speeches and fear-mongering about their own country. As demonstrated my guest today, establishment Republicans, conservatives who ran the party for decades, they don't buy Trumpism. They want it extinguished and they want it exiled from the Republican Party. What will unfold now is a battle for the soul of that party, a tough, no-holds-barred contest to either suspend Trump's rights to that home or to allow it to be the base of a growing and ongoing Trumpism at the very core of American politics. And that's the bottom line.